Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is one 888 844-GROW. That's 1-888-844-4769. Long distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by one of Forbes experts to watch, David Schloss. David is an online entrepreneur who began marketing in 2007 from his college apartment. Over the years, he has helped hundreds of businesses improve their website traffic, customer acquisition, and revenue using social advertising. His business, Convert ROI, enables businesses to succeed by taking complicated social ad plans and seamlessly turning them into easy-to-follow revenue-producing campaigns. He manages over $2.5 million per month in paid advertising via Facebook and Instagram. He was rated as one of the top experts to watch by Forbes, has been featured on Entrepreneur.com, Business Insider, The Huffington Post, as well as multiple podcasts and web shows around the topic of social advertising. I've asked him to join us here today so we can all learn how to market our businesses a little better. So, David, thank you for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you here. I'm a fan. I follow David on social media. His posts are always educational, entertaining, informative, and highly relevant. So you're kind of like definitely like the purveyor for paid advertising with Facebook and Instagram and, you know, keeping us abreast of all the changes come up. Even the little, like, because Facebook ads, you know, you log in there. Depending what time of day you log in, you could log in there twice the same day and see things change around. So it's really good. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Now, but how did you get started? Like, do you come from a family that's entrepreneurial and you've been in advertising your whole life? Or, like, how did you even get into the whole marketing and sales scene? The whole way that I started in advertising was sort of by accident. It wasn't something that I was going to be going into in college or, or anything like that. It was primarily something that I just found doing some Google searching. So when I was 18, I was just trying to find some ways to make some money online. And it happened to be that one of those options was starting an agency. This was back when agencies weren't exactly the hottest thing on the block. It was, you know, people had to do SEO and video marketing and all these things. And Facebook wasn't even an option yet. It was still, you know, Google AdWords and Yahoo advertising and all this other stuff. Right. And so for me, I was just trying to find something that would make me an extra couple hundred bucks, couple thousand dollars a month just to survive. It wasn't something that I thought would turn into a business until the more that I started to learn and do these things on my own. So when I started running ads on my own for you know affiliate blogs or you know just trying to get some traffic to a site that I built because I was learning design and development and SEO, then naturally over time it became more evident to me that people wanted instant results. They wanted results now. That's why paid ads sort of became the thing that I focused on more because paid ads is something you could put a dollar in, get a dollar back, put a dollar in, get five back, and you could do it in the same day. Right. Yeah. I mean, paid advertising is the holy grail because, you know, it's one of the only ways you can just go, oh, let's go get 300 new customers and you just go get them once you have your stuff dialed in. Exactly. So, I mean, did you see any evolutions in paid advertising? I mean, I know I've been in the game for a number of years. How has paid advertising evolved since then? Because I know there was a time where you, you basically couldn't lose, right? You give 
Google AdWords, your credit card, and traffic was so cheap. This is even before remarketing, you know, like all this stuff. You, you basically couldn't lose. It was just, it was, it was so cheap and so abundant. You know, it was like a free for all. How have things changed? I guess since you started. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not exactly that easy in the start of things. It can get easier as time goes on. So when I first started on Facebook, when you know, basically jumping into the platform when it was brand new. I mean, I could put $5 in and have thousands of clicks in the same day. And it was because not many people were using the platform, and there's these hundreds of millions of individuals on the platform that didn't even know that ads existed. Mm-hmm. And so in the very beginning, it was, you know, put as much as you can in there, and if you could figure out how to make the tracking work, you can really start to get some awesome results. If you couldn't figure out tracking, you were basically doing everything blind. Mm-hmm. And so for me... You know, in the beginning, I was just trying to put in as much as I could to learn and then being able to explain it to people that this is something they need, which in the very beginning was very difficult to do because no one really understood Facebook when I was starting ads. Facebook wasn't as popular as it is today. It definitely didn't have as a sophisticated enough ad platform at the time. So when you're trying to explain to a realtor why they needed to run ads on Facebook, they didn't even know what Facebook was to begin with. Yeah, and Facebook's going through some growing pains. You can see they're kind of evolving, similar to how mm-hmm. Google AdWords did in terms of having to find more ad inventory, and you know, and dealing with ad fatigue and how to handle multiple ad accounts. I mean, they they kind of went through this crazy phase where they just ban accounts instead of just deny, you know, disapproving your ad. They shut your whole ad account down. It's like forget yep. that you've already spent, you know, however many thousands of dollars. So, what have been some of the biggest, I guess, challenges that you've seen in evolving? with that with Facebook I mean it's definitely been the whole account shutdown situation there's also scalability so for example accounts can grow incredibly fast you can have accounts spend five thousand dollars a day and that's usually the baseline before you have to ask for a cap lift on your account meaning you have to ask Facebook whether or not you could spend more money mm-hmm. right which most people don't even recognize as possible it's like wait a minute wouldn't they just take your money anyway i mean you're already spending you're getting results you can just keep going not exactly once you start spending five thousand dollars a day or more facebook looks at that and goes we need to make sure that this account is doing things legitimately Uh and so they put this artificial cap and even when the cap is gone the thing you then have to battle is whether or not the traffic that comes in after that cap lift is actually traffic that's going to convert and so you know you end up having uh, account fatigue, not even ad fatigue. That there's something that uh, colleagues and I have called account fatigue, where it's like this account spends three to five thousand dollars a day, but anytime it spends beyond that, it doesn't work anymore. And so we have to find ways to get other accounts to start spending money. And then you know, even then, there's accounts that we've managed where you know it could spend upwards of five hundred or a thousand dollars a day, and it's doing sp- fantastic. And when it spends fifteen hundred, it's like nothing's working. So we're constantly battling this back and forth between accounts and then on top of that certain industries have far more competition than others and when you're running an agency and you're in the most popular spaces when it comes to ads like you know fitness and wellness or how to start a business and wealth management and things like that you know you're basically competing with some of the biggest companies in the world so you have to get even more creative with less money Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love how you talked about the account fatigue. And that's something that I've known that, that we were doing that back in the day where you might have five Facebook ad accounts because it's the only way you can get the volume that you need. Like you said, like the numbers work, but once you increase the ad spend too much, do you know part of why that is? Like, why does it even happen? With regards to like how a budget might fluctuate? Yeah, like why would it work fine if you're spending 1500 a day, but as soon as you go to 17, 18, 2000 a day it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But if you duplicate the account, get a second credit card, you know, you can have one account at 1500 a day working fine and then start mm-hmm. growing the other. Like mm-hmm. any theories on why? Like why? Cuz deliverability is different for every account. Not to mention you're not using the same pixel in those accounts sometimes. Right? So I could easily carry over the pixel I have in one account to another account. And because that data is already pre-existing, you have to remember account A goes to a certain set of people at 1000 a day, and account B goes to a different set of people at $1,000 a day. So what you're doing is you're really just mani- uh, you're managing the ad sets 
that are going out to these people, these audiences, and then you're just cutting off the ones that aren't performing nearly as well. So you might have 20 or 25 audiences in account A that are doing great, and then you might have 10 or 15 working in account B, and then you put those together and you're like, oh, now I got 40 plus audiences that are converting. Even though they're the exact same audiences, it doesn't always convert nearly nearly the same because if an audience is a million people, you know, account B could be going to the set of 100 or 200,000 people in that audience that account A is not seeing or being delivered to. So there's always going to be these fluctuations across accounts because they treat them uniquely. Yeah, and I remember, like, I've worked with, once in the back in the day, I helped like, build a, a webinar funnel. I know you're good at those. I helped build a webinar funnel. started with $500 on Facebook, and we started scaling it up. And we had a lookalike audience based on our buyer profile. We had 600 sales of a $1,000 product. And we, we did a lookalike, and it gave us an audience of, like, 1.2 million people or something like that. And we found that there were pockets. Like, it wasn't, you know, it's not a uniform hole. There's not only just churn but there's also like different people log in at different frequencies so you might have an audience of 1.2 million people but how many of those log in every day multiple times a day right once a week once mm. every 30 days so you would find like the fluctuations in there kind of as you went through now what would you recommend to someone that's just getting new and st- maybe starting out and and you know maybe struggling with facebook ads they're just trying to get their own ad account up and running is there what are the best practices for getting up and running now in today's climate with Facebook ads? Like you said, it can be tough in the beginning because you have no data. You don't really know what works. You know, hopefully your ad account's never going to suck as much as it does, you know, your first few hundred dollars. How do people navigate that, you know, with less scrapes and bumps and, and whatnot? Gotcha. So I often find that, you know, you could start accounts for as little as like $20 a day. Right, and you can even go lower than that. I've seen people start out with five dollars a day. I, I'm someone who likes to start with twenty because, you know, a lot of audiences. I find that when you start out, twenty dollars is like that magic spot of being able to figure out whether or not something's working. Mm-hmm. So if you're only willing to pay for, let's say, a five dollar lead, twenty dollars is enough for you to go. Oh, this audience is working, or it's not. It's working, or it's not. Period. Mm-hmm. And it gives you that that sample size that can give you an idea of whether or not something's working after a day. So I always tell people, as long as you can spend 20 bucks a day, then you're able to start. So that's about $600 a month. Right. If you have $10 a day, you could still start. But, I mean, let's be honest. If you're going to start advertising and it's not your last dollar, you should save up to at least $600 a month to spend. That way, you know, you could test things out. You could find out what is working and what's not. Right. You can test different creatives. Like, you could test different products. It gives you something to work with. And, and a, for a, anything less than that, sorry. not so much. Yeah. So oh, really? I was just saying, no, because there's a, there's a great book in the scientific advertising, Claude Hopkins classic. Everyone here, you know, should probably read it. He talks about how you should treat your paid advertising like you would a sales rep at your company. If you had a sales rep come and join your company, you wouldn't expect them to go out and make sales on their first day on the job. You know, it might take them one month. In fact, I even know a guy, a buddy of mine in Australia, he's been on our show, Ben Simkin. He had a sales rep that it took three months before the sales rep made his first sale. This is high ticket sales, but now this, this guy's closing sales every week. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think you need to take that same mentality with your ad account. Like, look, we're going to have to buy data. We're not going to know what we're doing. It's going to, you know, and, and we're just going to have to figure it out and train, train the ad account and pay attention to it. Right. You can't just put money in and not look and then show up at the end of the month and be like, hey, what do happen? Right. But then properly, it can become a powerful, powerful asset. So sorry, keep going. Twenty dollars yeah. a day. I just wanted to add that part just because I wanted people to have that mentality. Like it's just like training a staff member. You know, you might be frustrated with them. They might seem like an idiot in the beginning, but you just got to, you know, help them, coach them along, and you can get where you want to go. Exactly. And so the $20 a day, I mean, that's the first order of business I tell people. You, you just need to have that budget to start. Once you are, you know, at least aware that you have the $20 a day to spend, then you could look at, you know, what is it exactly in my advertising? Am I trying to get leads here? Am I trying to get phone calls? Am I trying to get people to a webinar? Because different industries, you'll notice that, like in real estate, if you're educating people on real estate, naturally, they don't show up on webinars for long periods of time unless they know who you are. But they will book a call. They will sign up for a case study. They will watch videos. So you have to also look at this budget that you've now set aside, and you're a newbie. You now have to determine whether or not the funnel, the landing page, the lead magnet that you've created is something these people want. 
And this is going to be a process that's going to take you, at least in my experience, it took me at least three months to figure out whether or not, you know, this sales page worked or this lead magnet was something people wanted or this webinar is something that people watched. And you have to commit to it for a while. So imagine one month you're focusing on a webinar, the webinar doesn't convert. The next month you try out a lead magnet and some emails, that doesn't convert. But in month number three, you start collecting phone numbers through an application and you finally get your first sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I always usually tell clients, anytime I work with a client, whether we're doing paid ads or a funnel or whatever we're doing, I, could, I always try to preface them and audience should be aware of this as well, that it can take up to eight funnels, up to eight things, you know, but usually in there, you know, you kind of got a one in seven, a one in eight chance of striking gold, right? If you know what you're doing, you're setting it up right. It might not, like you just said, it might not be the first one, it might not be the second one, might be the third, might be the fourth, might be the fifth. It really just depends because you've got to have the message to market to medium match. Exactly. And it's going to take time. So really what you're establishing here is commitment. It's the commitment to learning. It's the commitment to understanding your data. It's the commitment to knowing that this is going to take time. And if you're willing to do that, because, you know, there are some superstars out there that figured things out in, in a year. And there's plenty of other people, 10x more, that didn't figure things out at all because they just didn't stick with it. Right. That's in almost in anything. When I had my martial arts school, you would go to a tournament and you would see there would be 500 people in the white belt newbie category. And there would be 200 people in the blue belt been doing this under two, you know, around four years or less category, you know, and then there'd be 30 people in the purple belt. And that's just kind of the way it all goes, right? There's a lot of people, like you said, they want instant results. And if they don't see them, they don't get them. But if you can commit to it, if you're really committed to success, paid media is kind of what separates the nationwide international brands from the small mom and pop shops. Because yep. when you can afford to write a check, you know, the person who can afford to spend the most on advertising wins. Because you get mind share, you get market share, you're right, like you're the one that everyone goes to and kicks the tires of first before they check out any of your competitors. And, you know, and it's some people are anti marketing. I know Elon Musk and uh, Greg Glassman from CrossFit, you know, they're kind of like anti marketing, but they still do a ton of marketing. Their marketing is just they do press PR, press releases. And these guys are like, they're really on world changing technology in, you know, in their fields. For the rest of us, we already have something that's really good, and we just need to meet more people. I mean, if you want to make a million dollars, you can send a th sell a thousand dollar product to a thousand people. So if you have a thousand dollar product, that's great. Now you got to go find a thousand people, and that's really what you're doing with your advertising. It's not trying to sell, you know, it's not trying to sell um, sand to an Arab or ice to Eskimos. You know, it's just if you've got something, it's to help you find and meet new people and keep lead flow going, right? And that's mm -hmm. that's where. If you're just a small town business, you know, then you're just going to set up shop and have one of those dancing red balloon guys in front of your store, you know, be, have a booth at the mall. But if you're trying to go nationwide, you have to figure out, you know, a different way to reach thousands, hundreds of thousands and millions of people. And that's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, all right. We're trying to get up and running. We got a budget of $600 a month. What do we have? What do we do? So we, we figure if we're going for a lead, if we're trying to register for a webinar, just trying to generate phone calls. Um, you said sign up for a case study. What do you mean by that? So I often use case studies as a lead magnet because I've apparently built up a solid foundation of people who look for my case studies more than they would look for a lead magnet of some sort. <laughs> like there's people who understand like I can give them something around my scaling strategies how to build an account that starts making you $100 a day. Like, There's a lot of things I could talk about. But I've written these case studies for the last three, four years that they're in such depth and detail that these advanced or at least say intermediate marketers want that more than anything. And so I've often done case study funnels where I tell people that I will break down and deliver to them a case study from A to Z of how I took a brand from you know, let's just say spending a thousand dollars a day to five thousand dollars a day, and how their revenue went from twenty thousand that month to you know a hundred and something thousand dollars a month. And so that type of information grabs more of the attention of the intermediate and advanced marketer because those are typically the people that refer me clients, or maybe they want to work with me on a level of you know I run their ads while they're able to educate the masses on their zone of genius. Or just simply it's something that they're always intrigued by and they want to learn from another person. Mm, 
Well, yeah, I think that's that's actually. So I've never thought of using the case study itself as a reason to opt in. I've done a lot of case study funnels, but I've seen your case studies, and they are. It's, it's valuable content. It's valuable content. It's intriguing. It's fascinating. Pulls you in, and it's got all the data and numbers that people want. Like that's what people want, right? They want real life examples. In fact, another person who's in the Facebook marketing space, big name, not going to bring it mention to say who, also been on our show. He just launched some article. It was his birthday. And I saw some people like kind of throwing shade on it because they're like, you know, there wasn't enough examples and there weren't enough stats and numbers, but that's all a case study really is. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you shut those people up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty yeah no, no one's ever said that I needed more information, but that's because I throw so much in there to the begin with. Yeah. So, okay. So, all right, we pick a funnel and then now what? You just put up one, two ads and turn an ad budget on or how do we, someone's brand new to this, you are following mm-hmm. your model, $20 a day. Okay. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to do a phone call. I'm going to do a case day. I'm going to do whatever. Now what do they do? They do one ad, one, you know, obviously they need to know to set up a pixel so they can track the results. That's, that's quintessential to everything that you do with mm-hmm. paid advertising. But what's the next step? Yeah. yeah so every, every campaign that I start, I usually start with three ads. So it's three pieces of creative. Um, I'll even write out possibly even three pieces of copy. So this is copy that goes along with the ad, right? And then you also have the headlines you need to write. But let's just say you have three creatives, whether they're three images or one image and two videos or, you know, whatever combination works for you, right? And then I also write three pieces of copy to go along with it. And I do that with every new funnel or new promotion that I'm looking to launch. So for me, if I'm trying to promote my case studies to people, then I'm going to write three pieces of copy that go along with the reasons why someone would be intrigued by the case study that I'm putting out there. Like what's the reasoning behind why they should give me their email to get access to this case study, right? And then the creative that goes along with it might just be some custom images I create around the results that were discussed in that case study. So I keep it really simple. If you're doing something along the lines of like, you know, maybe you're a realtor and you want to give people a a reason to get their first house, you might have something like the 10 things to look for in buying your first house. And that'll be your your lead magnet. And so you might have like the cover to your lead magnet as the ad image, or maybe you'll do a video ad that you printed out the entire lead magnet. It's in your hand and you're just showing people flipping through the page is what exactly they're going to be getting. Right, right. And that's to get their attention. So AIDA, attention, interest, desire, action. First step is get their attention. And that's why uh, David was saying he would test three images. So he's got basically three versions of his ad in terms of the writing, the copy, and then three images. So he can kind of create a, you know, a handful of of ones to split test to see what is the combination that's going to perform best, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Love it. How about audience targeting? So I like to start out with at least five to ten audiences in the beginning. So remember, if you're using only $20 a day, then you're putting anywhere from five to $10 an audience. So you're only going to be testing two to four audiences max at $20 a day. So if I have a list of 10 to 20 audiences I want to target over time, at $20 a day, it's going to take me you know, two weeks to go through all the audiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you have to consider that because of that setup, you have to be prepared based on like the amount of different things that you're doing research on. You're going to have to put a time frame of when these audiences are going to be tested. So you might launch on Monday. You might launch a couple new audiences on Thursday. But you have to give time. You have to give time to each of them to run. I usually give 48 to 72 hours per audience to run. And so that's why you have to think like $20 a day. If you're doing you know $10 per audience – you're not going to turn anything off until you've spent at least $30 per audience to determine whether or not it's something that's working or not. Right. So that's because you need enough exposure for that audience and you need fluctuations because there's differences in days. Monday has a different feel to the day when everyone's going back to work than Friday does. And that can affect, that can impact the performance of the ad. Exactly. Right. I love this. I'm, I'm just as a testimonial for that. Back in the day when I had a martial arts school, that's actually what I did to get it up and running. I had five different audiences tar- locally. I had like working professionals, university kids. I think it was like parents, five different fire rescue personnel. And then I, so I had five different target audiences. I came up with 11 different hooks, you know, which is like 55 something ads. 
when you when you do the cross reference, I test them, and I only had three that were profitable, and the number one was a hundred, sorry, eleven hundred percent better in terms of ROI than the number two, and it's, so it's like if I had only done like an A B, right? Like if I had only done mm-hmm. that, there's no way, and I probably a lot of that was waste because I didn't know what I was doing. I was getting started, but that's part of what we're doing is because you think you, everyone here, you think you know, and you think you have all these assumptions, but the reality is, is that you don't know to, you know, you put it out there and the people will tell you, and we all have these assumptions and we think we know what our customers want, but it's really tough for you to accurately predict the wants, needs, heart and heart desires of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people that you don't, you know, that you don't know. It's a jungle out there. And you don't really know it's going to work until it works. Exactly. So what are some of the biggest mistakes you see some of your clients making? Turning off ads too soon, so not giving enough adequate time for them to run. I I also see clients changing the game plan too soon as well. So meaning like we're agreeing to running things for let's say a month, right? We're going to be testing new funnels, different angles, things of that nature, and then I find that if something's not working immediately, let's just say a week or two, the entire strategy changes. Everything changes. And I often find that that's not exactly the way that things should be done when it comes to ads because you've already committed to running ads of that funnel. You created all of these creatives to go along with it. You're basically executing things as they should be done. It's just not working immediately. So you don't really know whether or not something is a complete failure until you've obtained enough of a data set to really say like, okay, well, we've had a thousand leads and no one's buying. That's a lot of people who've said no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, yep. it, it takes time. Yep. Uh, and if you've done something like webinars, like webinars, I tell people, if you don't have at least 300 people attend your webinar, you don't know whether or not the webinar actually converts. So if it takes you a month to get 300 people to watch it, so be it. You got to keep running it. So I find that a lot of people just quit on something too soon. Mm. A lot of people cancel cancel campaigns, turn things off, pause them, and they just do them at a point where it's like we're just starting to get some momentum and then everything gets shut off. Yeah, I, I, you know, that's actually a fantastic point. What are some of your guidelines, like 300 people to watch a webinar, how many leads – you said before, like $30 per audience and 72, 48, 72 hours or $30. You know what I mean? Is it is it one yeah. or the other or does it have to be both? What are some of your baseline cutoffs, I think is what I'm trying to ask for the different. Yeah, no, I, I run most ads at 48 to 72 hours, even if the budget was $100 a day. But at the same time, I look at, you know, what is the core CPL or CPA that we're trying to achieve? So if someone's idea is that they want to have a $5 lead, right? That's the maximum amount of money they're willing to pay for a lead. Okay. So if I spend 20 bucks and I haven't had one lead uh, in that audience, I'm going to turn off the audience because it hasn't produced a lead right. in $20. It's four, that's four times higher than the estimated CPA that I wanted. Right. Right? So I look at that. So it's, it's let them run for 48 to 72 hours or – if you end up getting four times higher than what you're willing to pay for a CPA, you probably should turn off the ad. Got it. And then so let's talk about looking at and analyzing your data. So that's one. What other things do you look for when you're analyzing account data? So someone has been willing to run their ads for long enough. How do you – maybe this is too simple of a question, but for the people that are just getting started, how do they – make use of their data like all right i bought all this data now what what am i looking for am i just looking for things that work within my you know like how do you know when something's been a success is marginal and you can improve it or whatnot right like is it is it really black and white like look i set up my three images and my three copy versions and i picked mm-hmm. decided to generate phone calls and i spent my 600 bucks for the month you know and i'm looking at the data and none of it's worked so i start all over again from scratch or you know like how do you and these are all hypo- this is a hypothetical situation, but you know what I mean? Like, what are you yeah. looking for in the data and how do you make meaningful adjustments? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be based on what's your objective. So if, if your funnel, for example, is to collect phone calls or applications to then have conversations with, uh, with people on the phone, then what you're tracking is essentially, you know, how many people came in as a lead, how many people then went from a lead to an application, and how many people that applied showed up to a phone call, 
So you got to think like you're, you're tracking each of those elements along the funnel. And it all stems from, you know, how much did it take to acquire that first lead? So if a lead costs five bucks, right? What I'm looking for is how many of those leads turn into an application. Let's say I have to spend $100, right? So that's 20 leads converted into one application. And then if it's going to take me five applications in order to close a deal, that means that I'd probably need close to $500 in spend just to get one person to close a deal. Right. Right. So I'm looking at all those different elements from the moment we turn on that campaign. And it seems easy because it is. A lot of people just overcomplicate it. They overcomplicate it because they're like, what's the click-through rate? What's the cost per impression? What's the cost per click? It's like, I don't care. I just want to know the lead. I want to know how many leads I need to get applications and how many applications do I need before I turn into a sale. And you're estimating all that before the campaign starts. Right. You kind of figure out what you can afford to do in the beginning. And hopefully, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but hopefully you can optimize things and you can reduce the cost to at least, you know, I think it's maybe it's a bell-shaped curve. In the beginning, your cost will be high because you're buying data, but then you kind of get, you know, some momentum and you kind of optimize things. Cost should drop a little bit, but then as you're trying mm-hmm. to scale it up, your costs are going to go up again it's per lead, per sale. Is that fairly accurate, or do you find that you can continue to drop the cost per lead, cost per sale, even as you scale up? That's exactly it. Like, if you know exactly what you're doing, then over time, the cost per your lead or the cost per your application should start to come down. Mm. Even so as you're, you're increasing? Really, yeah, even as you're increasing because you already know what is and is not working. Mm. So you should be able to take that data, make educated guesses, or not even guesses, I should say, educated decisions on what exactly needs to get done so that when you do scale up, you're maintaining similar numbers, maybe slightly off, it might be a little bit higher, but you're not paying that much more for the same exact info. Yeah, 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 perfect. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's excellent. So, and I love this. So to help, again, help the audience understand, you're basically considering like your business is an assembly line. I need to get people off of Facebook to whatever my first step is. If it's just direct to phone call, then it's fine. I'm just Facebook to phone call. What's the next step after the phone call? The goal of the phone call is what? To set an appointment, to sit down and talk better, you know, at a better time, you know, when they're more prepared, you're more prepared, okay. And then after that, it's the making the sale, right? Or if it's Facebook mm-hmm. ad to, like you said, a lead or application. And then from that, what's the next step? And so you look at this assembly line and you establish benchmark metrics, you know, and once you run enough traffic that you've got some meaningful baselines established, you're focusing on the bottleneck and trying to figure out how do we improve that. Is it, you know, is it something that we can tweak and hopefully improve, or do we just need to abandon it and try something totally different? Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing. It's I think after you have all this different information, the main thing that you're looking at is whether or not the campaign should continue, right? So you're, you're getting all these leads, you're getting applications. If you're unable to close people over the phone, then you have a, a sales problem, right? And if right. you keep getting people on the phone and nothing's happening, then naturally what's going to happen you probably should turn off that campaign and evaluate whether or not you want to keep running it and that same thing is going to happen whether you have a webinar campaign an application campaign maybe you're going direct to sale right maybe what you're trying to do is get people to a sales page and buy directly which in some niches you can do and in others it's a lot more difficult right you know so it's going to take time and you really don't know whether or not something's working until you throw the money at it to gather that data. And sometimes it's just going to take a month or two for you to go, this isn't quite going the way that I wanted it to. Yeah. But you know what I love about that is that it's real. That's a real answer. There's no mm-hmm. fluff. This isn't get rich quick. It's none of that. But it is a get rich plan because with paid advertising, you can take your winning ads on one channel and use those on another channel and another channel and another channel. And the baseline metrics you establish in one place, you can test and look and you know to develop in other places. So now I guess the next thing is what are some of the habits that you feel really help you be successful with managing campaigns and even your clients? What are the most important habits involved in paid advertising? Well, for me, I I often find that the most emotional ad buyers are the ones that have the least amount of success because they're doing things based on, well, simply that, it's emotion. So what I mean by that is they'll look at a campaign, they'll see that something is not working today but was working yesterday and they go ahead and shut it off because it's not working today. Right, 
right? Because they're doing it off of their emotions. Like, oh, no, it's not making money, and then they just turn it off. Right. And, you know, I often find that, you know, you can run campaigns for weeks, and they do incredibly well for weeks, and then all of a sudden it stops working for three or four days, and people will shut things off. And I'm like, well, this has had two to three weeks of consistent success. So instead of just turning it off, you should just lower the budget and let it run. Let it continue to run because it's already had success for so long. And only the most emotional ad buyers would look at that and go, oh, it's not working, and just turn it off. Mm, so I love that. So if you have a winner that's performing well and takes a downturn for whatever reason, before you shut it off, you'll lower the budget first, maybe once or twice, to see if that mm-hmm. helps. Because maybe there's just something going on with like – here's the thing is there's – a lot of people don't even realize this, but Facebook isn't doesn't exist in a vacuum. So if there's a city and there's a big festival going on or some catastrophe happens or even some competitor, like there's a mis- – you know, there's some big event going on that's big in that place – it can throw their metrics off. If Christmas is coming, if it's, you know, it's a holidays coming, if a hurricane comes and hits this place, your ad accounts, your ad, right? Like that, you need to be aware of what's happening in the offline world, even if you're an online advertiser, because they can have that impact. So maybe something happens. Maybe there's, I don't know, maybe there's a nude parade and, you know, people are distracted for, you know, a couple of days because it's this two, three day festival, right? So you're, you're winning ad campaigns now performing terribly. You don't just mm-hmm. kill it. You reduce the budget, so you cut your losses, but you leave it running to go, hey, is this a temporary thing? Is this going to come back? What's going on? Because I don't live in that town. I don't know what's going on in that town. I don't know the gossip of what's happening. You know, is this a, is it going to bounce back? What is it, right? Um, yep, that's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. And the only way the only way to know is you just got to be a little bit patient. Like I said, not so emotional, and, and you don't want to indulge yourself too much in the data to the point where you, you second-guess your decisions. Mm-hmm. And so... I just allow campaigns to run as much as they can to get the data that they need so long as the CPA is being hit. And like I said, if the CPA is still solid because it's been running for three weeks successfully and then all of a sudden it stops working for a couple of days, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Just lower the budget, let it run a little longer, if it, and if it continues to not perform for another three to four days, then I'll, t- I'll turn it off. Right? Right, but right. I wasn't just automatically pulling the trigger on it saying this isn't working. So – you have to look at all your campaigns in that same fashion where it's like, you know, Facebook's an intelligent engine. Mm-hmm. It knows what it's doing. That's why they have pixels in the first place. And if you don't let it gather the data it needs to be successful, then, well, naturally none of your campaigns are going to work. So can you talk about that? I mean, I, I heard lots about pixels, but can you speak about pixels and how – how do you use the pixel? So, I, I mean, a lot of people, if you don't know, you should know if you're into Facebook advertising, you put a pixel, which is just a piece of code, on the thank you page or the after you get what you want, after the order page, whatever that is, right? That The page they only see after they do the action you want them to do. Um, and then there's mm-hmm. also a pixel that you just put on the entire site just to kind of collect the IP addresses and that of anybody that's visited any page on your site. So you can, because you, you can target them based on that. But can you talk about working with the pixel like what are the different ways to work with a pixel and you know what i mean like can you define that part and what's the pixel's intelligence in this like you said it's got to get the data it needs to learn can you describe that a little bit kind of get into that sure you know pixels for example like pixels themselves are really just the way of tracking who is going to your site and what exactly are they doing like that's their their real intent and so Basically, what I find is that the pixel is going to give you the guidance you need to determine whether or not something should be turned on or turned off or left alone, right? So it's tracking page views, leads. You have to tell it what to track, right? You got to make some adjustments to it, put it on certain pages, say like, oh, anyone who lands on this page is a lead. Anyone who lands on this page is an application, so on and so forth, right? Now, when you put those parameters in place, you make the pixel let's just say smarter, right? It becomes a lot smarter. And so because of that, you end up finding out that every time someone hits a certain point of that pixel, so let's say everyone who becomes a lead, the pixel becomes smarter. It knows who to show your ads to, who to serve them to. And then you start to get more leads, sometimes for cheaper, sometimes the same amount. But it continues to improve the more data you give it. So with the first 500 or 1,000 leads to come in, it's still learning. It's adapting. It's like, okay, I know that these audiences work. 
with this amount of ad budget. I know that this audience works, works with this amount of ad budget. But if you cranked it up to $500 a day, it's not going to work the same. Why is that? Because the Pixel's never spent or been a part of a campaign that has spent $500 a day on it. It has to learn. So the more you adapt to spends and the amount of data it's acquiring per day, the more sophisticated it becomes and the better it starts to perform. That's why there's not that many accounts that go from spending $100 a day to $2,000 a day because you have to incrementally work your way up to the point where the Pixel is used to getting that much data. Right. So this is now you're you're using machine learning and artificial intelligence to k- k- jump in on a couple of buzz buzz topics right now. But you're actually using those to help grow your company and more effectively advertise, right? If you've trained, I'm making air quotes here. If you've trained your pixel and you've got you know a thousand conversions, whether it's leaders leads or sales, at whatever your monthly budget is, when you select new audiences, you can pick a larger, more broad target interest, maybe even just a city. And they will, the pixel will go through and try to, instead of showing your ad to everybody in that city, will actually try to identify the most likely people to convert and give you those first. Is that accurate at all? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Now, what happens, this is an old school offline thing, but you could, um, I mean, you called it account fatigue, but there's also, there's like list fatigue. So back in the day, offline marketing, maybe you have an ad or a letter that works like gangbusters and you pay like a magazine, you're, you're in men's health or whatever, Maxim magazine, and you pay to advertise in that magazine for a few months. But at some point, you suck all the buyers out of that group, out of that audience. And so it's like, mm-hmm. we got them. Like, that's it. We Our ad's been in there. We were in there three months. We were making money hand over fist the first three. Now we're, we barely broke even on month four. Month five, we're, you know, we must have got all the buyers because we're not getting any more sales out of this. Does that happen right. with audience and targeting? And how do you, you know, identify that? And then how do you pivot? Yeah, I mean, it's not 100% like that, right? In, in some cases, it's uh, you're really just looking at it to where, like, you can buy ad space on all these different interests and and so on and so forth and it will take some time before you ever ever hit some sort of fatigue at least from my experience i mean there's audiences that are hundreds if not millions hundreds of thousands if not millions of people and it takes quite a bit of time before you could say like no i've completely exhausted this audience you know how much money it takes before you can say that a thousand person audience is exhausted it actually takes like 50 to 100 bucks how about a 10,000 person audience might take about 100 200 bucks so think about it you have a hundred thousand person audience you're telling me that a 200 dollars ad spend killed the audience right i don't think so it's gonna take a bit so imagine you're starting these lookalike audiences that are you know a lookalike can take anywhere from you know two million people to as high as 20 million it's gonna be a very very long time before you find any sort of fatigue Especially if you're running something at, you know, 500 a day or even a thousand a day, it's gonna take mm-hmm. a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, I don't experience fatigue the way that people um, are saying that they experience it, only because I find that I don't. I don't even know if it's real. I really don't. I just feel like if an ad itself is being shown too frequently to someone, then naturally it could become an issue mm-hmm. to where some. Okay, I've seen this ad like a thousand times. I don't want to see it anymore. Right, right That right. could be the problem. You so, know, it's just they don't click. So you need to learn how to put exclusions in place. And is that is that something you do? You cut, you limit the frequency of your ad being shown? Yes, yes. So really, if you find that your frequency starts to increase on its own, that's Facebook's way of saying we're going to throttle your ads because people aren't being as responsive to it. Got it. So now, David, where do you see the future of Facebook advertising going? Where are we going to be at in a year to five years, maybe even 10 years from now? I believe that the ad platform will continue to evolve. I mean, if you think about it, the platform hasn't necessarily gotten to a point where it's like Google, where a massive amount of people just disappeared, right? It was people got pissed at the platform They were vocalizing their issues with the platform, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But what I often found is that, you know, they're introducing new placements, not only to make more money, but they're introducing more placements to make sure that they're not overdoing how often ads are served to somebody. So if I'm in the newsfeed and I see ads in the newsfeed, that's fine. If I'm watching videos and they want to serve me 
ads in the middle of a video being watched, that's another way. Mid-roll or ad breaks or whatever they want to call them. But they're trying to find ways to incorporate augmented reality and virtual reality, and they're going to put ads in those at some point. So they're, they're constantly looking at ways to evolve their advertising. They're going to have ads in WhatsApp at some point. They already have ads in Instagram, mm. right? Ads in Instagram stories, Instagram feed. Um, I'm waiting for them to start showing up in your in your DMs, you know, in your direct messages. Mm-hmm. That's next, I'm sure. But I just think they're going to continue to evolve everything. Mm-hmm. And if people do leave the platform, that's fine. Because very much like Google, when people left that platform, it actually got cheap for a while because people were saying that Google was too cheap. So all the big advertisers were spending more money on the platform since people were leaving. Right. So Facebook has that sort of issue where people start to leave the platform the ones who stay on it and stay consistent actually could prosper for the long term right yeah well said now what do you feel is the most effective and productive or productive form of advertising with through facebook right now i think if you utilize it for like a combination of content marketing and direct response you could still get a great response from it and what i mean by that is this you know nowadays people are saying that you have to be all about content marketing when you are doing any form of facebook advertising and i don't believe that's true i just believe that if you are out there putting the right content in front of the right people they're clicking it they're engaging with you they're not saying that you're promoting any sort of spam or anything like that then naturally you're going to start to build an audience that wants what you have to offer and then on top of that Direct response is going to continue to work because if you do it in a way where it's not intrusive, like if I just tell you like, hey, hey, Daryl, I have a lead magnet on like how to scale your business in five easy steps, and you know I've been talking about scaling businesses for 10 years, you're not going to hide my ad or say that I'm a spam or scammer or anything like that because you've been seeing me talk about it for so long. Right. And so it's leading in first with something, you know, leading in first with something else other than that. Yeah, yeah, and being persistent and consistent, you know, being persistent and showing these things to people even if they they don't want to see it, but then at the same time, it's like, this is what I have to offer to the world, and I'm going to keep showing it to you until one day you want it. Uh (laughs) Now, is there a type, are you a bigger fan of text ad as video, the cat's meow? What do you feel is like, you know, if you were to start, and if you were starting a new, with a new client, what are you yeah. going to go after to be, to begin with? I mean, personally, I'm I'm still very big into into video. I believe video is where it's at still to this day. I just get so much more success using video ads than image ads, mm-hmm. but image ads are much easier to start with. Mm-hmm. And so, for some people, you have to start with images because it's where you get your your learning ability put into place. Like that's where you're able to see what is and is not working faster. Because it's very easy for you to produce a video at such a high level not a video excuse me a uh, image at a high level right. you could just rotate them constantly video you have to redo yeah, constantly yeah, yeah. all the time is right it might length? be different is there a length of video 60 seconds or less is what i like to see it it tends to perform very well and and very quickly because of the fact that you're able to test it in a way where it's like you can have six variations of the same 1 minute video mm. and then just you know, it might be something slightly different in one video versus the other where it's where it might be just the intro or the outro is different and you're getting different results. Right. So I, I like to sh- go with short form video only because I could test it faster. Yep. And then at the same time, if you're learning or you're just starting, you know, images is where it's going to be at because of the fact that you could just go back and forth with different things over and over and over. Got it. So images to start, but video if you have the ability... 60 seconds or less, do a bunch, yeah. rotate them, see what works. Um, and those seem to be the most powerful right now. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yep. David, this has been a really meaty, I mean, people listening to this may want to go back and listen to this a couple of times. We've covered a lot of like fundamentals. Like, so, you know, it's funny because I, some people are like, oh, I read this book, which I read next. And I'm like, well, did you impl- implement it? No. Okay. We'll go back and read the book. And I feel like this is one of those interviews where there's a lot of great content that's been given here. If people just follow the steps, they'll really start to see some results with their account. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you though? No, I, I think if you just get started and implement some of the things that we talked about, like it'll lead you in the direction where you eventually want to learn more uh-huh. anyway. Uh-huh. I think for now, 
the core thing you got to focus on is just starting and giving yourself the opportunity to learn. Mm. You have to put ads out there. You're going to fail, but you have to understand what the data means and what it can do for you. Mm. And if you don't take that time to, you know, dig through things and really understand what it is that you're obtaining with all that data, then you're really just wasting your time. Mm. So you have to take that opportunity to absorb it, utilize it, and then continue to evolve over time. And then you'll get the result that you're looking for. Mm. Very well said. So, now, David, if people are interested, if they want to talk to you offline or privately or they're interested in working with you, what are the best ways to reach out? Yeah, so they can go to my site, davidmschloss.com. That's where you'll see information around what it is that I have to offer, You know, where I've been featured, anything around that you want to know about me. And maybe you want to do some business together. That would be the place to contact me for that. If you want to connect with me on a more personal level, you can always Find me on Facebook, just facebook.com slash David M. Schloss, and that's where I'll be posting more case studies and different videos and things of that nature, and you'll see that there's also a post on there about joining our Facebook group where we have tons of new information coming out around starting on Facebook, how you can go about creating ads that are successful, how to scale your business, so on and so forth. Mm. And so that's David, D-A-V-I-D-M as in uh, Melon Schloss, S-C-H-L-O-S-S. You can look him up on mm-hmm. Facebook or go to his website.com. Uh, I enjoy his posts. I'm a big fan. That's why I asked David to come on the show. We've actually worked together with a couple of clients. And well, a client. And again, like I said, I've followed him for a while and I love what he's about. I know he's always in the trenches giving relevant information. So I knew that he was a trustworthy source. So if you're interested, please check out David. David, thank you so much for coming and joining us, my friend. It's always a pleasure when we chat. I really appreciate it. I know you have your own following and your own things you could be doing. So thank you for coming and helping my audience do better with their businesses. You got it. Appreciate you for having me on. You've reached the end of our interview. Now first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.